Good love our gracious queens Are throughout their just queens Their time has come United Queendom United Queendom is sponsored by Q-Bar who provide the best gay night out in London. Enjoy Q-Bar, Q-Club, Little Q and She-Bar in Soho every night of the week for drinking, dancing and, despite the name, limited queuing. Now let's get on with the show. This week we have a special treat, an interview with the incomparable Courtney Act, who talks to us about her memoir, All Stars 5, Cancellation Culture, Neighbours, the soap that is, the Spice Girls, and we even play an Aussie version of Humpting Wong with her. Halfway through the chat, we lost connection for a little bit, so I'll leave it to Moon to style that out. But if he doesn't manage, apologies. And also, I'm sorry that I got an email during the chat, which made a ping. Uh, I don't know how to mute my Gmail while keeping the sound of my laptop on, because this was a Zoom chat. So if anyone knows how to do that, please write in. Uh, thank you, and enjoy the interview. <laughs> Courtney Ack, thank you so much for joining us on United Queendom. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and I feel bad you're looking at my very plain face while you've got a full um, face of makeup on over Zoom. I have a full face on, but I've got no wig on because, well, you, no one else can see me right now except for you. And No yeah. wig. The, the influence of Sasha Velour continues, um, but you still look <laughs> exactly. amazing. Uh, so we were just chatting a little bit. I just wanted to know, how has lockdown been for you? Because you are one of the busiest people I know. You're like on TV, on every single show simultaneously. Um, you're on Neighbours right now, as you just told me. You've just been watching yourself. Literally right now. Literally right now. So has lockdown given you a much-needed break or not so much? Lockdown, I, I, you know what? I know that this global pandemic has been horrific. Many lives have been lost. People are struggling financially all around the world. Um, but I am very fortunate that I, um, I have a house, I have my health, I have means to support myself and I've really enjoyed the last four months of doing well I haven't been doing nothing I've been writing a book and the perfect time to write a book is when there's a global pandemic and there's nothing exciting happening outside and everybody's forced inside and has to entertain themselves so yeah not to make it all about me but I'm it's been quite um quite a lovely four months of introspection is this a novel or is this Courtney Act the autobiography it's a memoir um, so the first draft was due yesterday, uh, but the publisher said she's not going to read it until Friday morning and she won't read it all in one sitting. So she said, I can also add to it over the weekend, which is good. But yeah, it's a memoir sort of going, examining like gender and sexuality and identity through different events, um, of my life and, it's been a really fun journey and, and going back and looking at all of those things and, and unpacking all of those things that happened to us in childhood that we may not quite understand. And you think you understand as an adult, but when you go back and you go to write about it, you know, in long form, it's amazing how much you unpack. And I was sitting at my keyboard the other day, like, <laughs> they were all straight. They were all straight. Um, and you'll have to wait for that chapter, but... Is that the working yeah, title? Been... They were all straight. That's the working title. No, the title is It's All an Act and it'll be out next February. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to read that. Um, so did you surprise yourself in the process of writing it with kind of what came out? I did. I also, I think I'm a very honest person. Like I, I, I don't hold any, 
I've learned to let go of a lot, all of the shame of my past. And so when telling stories, like the publisher was like, oh, that was very, um, she read the stuff that I wrote. She goes, oh, that was very personal. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's the mm. the point, isn't it? Like you're telling these these stories that are very vulnerable and personal. And, um, and then I was like, oh God, have I gone too personal? <laughs> but my editor is more of like a, what would you call her in the UK? In Australia, we'd call her like a North Shore sort of like a lady who might wear a string of pearls sort of thing. And I was like, and she's edited, she's edited the last, our uh, two prime ministers of Australia, she's edited their autobiographies. And now I think maybe she thought she was going from a prime minister to a queen, but she didn't quite read the fine print and it's a drag queen. No, she's progressed to more important people now. Oh, maybe that's it. And I was like, oh, I I don't know how she'll feel about the uh, the chapter on rimming, but, you know, we'll see. There's only one chapter on rimming. I don't know if I'm going to buy this anymore. <laughs> um, so obviously, one of the difficult things about writing the kind of book you're talking about, obviously you're very open about yourself, but you know a lot of other famous people and sometimes your story is their story. Is it, have you had to take out things that are to do with other people's privacy? There's a few famous gentlemen whose uh, names have not been included in the book. <laughs> do they get nicknames like Mr. Big and stuff? Yeah, it's very Mr. Big. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'll have fun guessing about that. Um, but have you yeah. missed actually performing? Uh, I've done some digital drag stuff. I'm doing a performance uh, for Global Pride, which I'm actually super excited about because it's the first time I performed. That's a lie. I performed it in Sydney. Uh, I'm excited because the first time people will get to hear uh, one of my new songs, which is called One Tonight. Um, and it's a song that I wrote for my live show, Fluid, and I'm releasing three of the songs from Fluid on the 3rd of July. And One Tonight is one of the songs. And the first time people will be able to hear it is on Sunday for World Pride, Global Pride, which is very exciting. That's such good timing because the bars are opening on July 4th. So you've released your new music on the 3rd. So we get used to it. It's... And then on the 4th, we can dance to it. <laughs> it's like I knew. I didn't know. I was like, I'll put it on the Friday because then it'll come out Friday morning. And then in my mind, I was like, you know, people are going out Friday night. They might listen to it getting ready. And I was like, oh, no one's going out Friday night. But people will be going out Saturday. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to start getting ready on Friday. I think it's going to take me a long yeah, time. exactly. Just the manscaping alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a week. So as well as yeah. the songs from Fluid, you've announced the shows for spring next year. Yeah. First of all, I love the promo photos you've been doing, everything to do with Fluid. It's just so, like, instantly striking and iconic and not necessarily what you expect from Courtney Act. But um, what can we expect from the show? The show is all live music. It's all original music that I've written. So I've written music, obviously, before, but I've never done that music in a live show. Ugly is still my one of my favourite tracks with songs. Yes. Justice for Kaleidoscope. <laughs> um. And... But I've never performed that music in a live show. I really wanted to, but I guess I never had the confidence in a way of that I sh that doing a show of songs that people had never heard before was the right idea. Um, but this time I really took the time to write the song specifically for the show as opposed to writing a pop album. And they all weave together and tell a story. And I think it was actually the missing link from my live performances because before I was doing covers and trying to tell stories around those covers and now all of the songs and the stories just feed into each other and there's really fun moments and there's also really deep moments um and and more fun moments so it's 
it's going to be in Sydney. We did the show at the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras and it was sold out. It got amazing reviews and that was just so validating because, you know, it's very different from what I've done before. And it seems like it really spoke to people and it even spoke to like the oldies who saw me on Dancing with the Stars. You know, they would come up after the show and be like, Oh, well, we know, the, the the topic of uh, gender fluidity and pansexuality, that, you know, I didn't, it wasn't quite me. But interestingly, I really, I really connected with the stories and I really understood what you were talking about. And I felt like I understood something differently from watching it. So thank you. <laughs> that sounds like oh, an yeah. impression of Anne Widdicombe. <laughs> that's where you nailed that one. Thank you. Well, that's one of the obviously great things about you. I've told you many times when I've seen you is um, you have a way of explaining things that doesn't kind of uh, frighten people too much, even though some of the things are things they naturally don't understand. You make it very accessible. I try. <laughs> but without getting too deep into that... Um, I know you love talking about Drag Race, so I'm going to ask, (laughs) have you been watching All Stars 5? I have, except I haven't watched the last episode, so don't spoil it. Um, Who are you rooting for to win? And if it's the person who went home, I'll just, I'm doing a poker face now, I won't spoil it. (laughs) Well, obviously Shea Coulee is going to win, and that's who I want to win as well. Um, But I have a feeling, don't tell me, spoiler alert, I have a feeling that Mariah went home because... I saw Bianca post something and I quickly scrolled past. But, um, yeah, I'm Team Shay all the way. See, nothing good comes from following Bianca Del Rio. It's just a constant disappointment. <laughs> Preach. As, as me and many Drag Race fans know, All Stars is um, quite unlikely for you. Um, but how do you, even though we all would love to see it, how do you think you would uh, do on the show hypothetically, given how the format has evolved now? I mean, it's hard, you know? Like, it has changed and it is... A whole different game and you want like to also you don't just get to go on all stars I mean I didn't just get to go on drag race I prepared like nothing else like for weeks even when I didn't know I was on drag race I just put in my tape I started planning in advance and sticking costume ideas and things up on the wall and then vanity flew over from Australia and we spent a whole week together just styling wigs in my in my apartment in LA. And this was even before I was confirmed. And I was like, either I'm going to be on Drag Race or I am going to be the best dressed drag queen in West Hollywood for the next year. Because you did Drag Race like an all-star, I think. You went on the way that people go on all-stars because you had such a big profile already. Without the lips. Didn't have those all-star lips that uh, some of them have fall, fallen victim to the needle. The pump. So, like, kind of what everyone does on All Stars, apart from get their lips filled, is step it up. You were already at that level. How? What would Courtney Act evolved to be on All Stars? Would you, like... I think I've definitely evolved a lot since Drag Race. It was seven years ago that we filmed it. And, I mean, my makeup's definitely gotten better, which is good. You don't even need any makeup, hardly. Chapstick and mascara. I've been putting, like, makeup highlights on my Instagram just to prove to people that I do wear makeup. I'm like, that is a lot of makeup. <laughs> Have you thought about what your um, Snatch game would be? Well, I was going to do... Uh, no. What about Kylie? Do people know Kylie enough in America? Not as... I mean, they they know her. The gays love her. Duh. But I feel like Kylie's not a character that you can make larger than life, you know? She's... Day Medna. Day Medna was who I was going to say. Hello! Awesome. <laughs> Although she's become quite controversial now, but I guess you could make that a joke as well, couldn't you? Yeah, I could. 
As my good friend Jermaine Greer says. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't even bother repeating what her good friend Jermaine Greer said because that's just. Oh, we're aware. Continuing the uh, hate speech. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, that's very linked to that. At the moment, we're getting a lot of um, your fellow Rue girls kind of apologising for things that have, uh, they may have done years ago, and there's a lot of. Yeah, this debate is getting very fiery online and it's just, it feels very relentless. I just wondered, do you think with the whole cancellation culture that this is helping or do you think we've got the balance quite right and how this is all playing out online? No, I mean, there's two kinds of cancel culture. There's cancelling people who genuinely deserve to be cancelled because they're bigots um, and who have a a proven track record, who continue to do so. Those people should be cancelled, which is kind of where cancel culture came from, but then it's sort of spun off into this idea that anybody who ever made a mistake should be cancelled. And the thing is, you either die young or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Is that the Dark Knight, Batman? Oh, is it? Is it not? <laughs> no, I don't know. Someone said it the other day. Who said it the other day? And I was like, oh, that's good. Was it Christian um, Bale? I think it's from Batman. <laughs> oh, maybe it's from Batman. Well, thank you, Batman. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that every single one of us has made a mistake whether you're cis trans queer straight black brown white non-binary young old rich poor everybody has done and said horrible things in their life Mm -hmm. like through ignorance intentionally everyone has done it and so this idea of cancelled culture, like going back and digging up uh, something that somebody said, you know, five years ago and, and saying that they deserve to be cancelled is just absurd. And I think the thing that we have to do is really pay attention to how many people, like what is the quantity of these people who are trying to cancel? Because quite often it's uh, actually just a very small number of very loud people. And I like to think that most of us are a little bit smarter than that. But I saw this meme, uh, this post, and it um, says, cancel, cancel culture. We need to stop cancelling people for their mistakes. Not allowing people to grow from their mistakes is unfair and not helpful. Reflection questions to ask yourself before cancelling someone. Am I giving people the benefit of the doubt from their posts? Am I more committed to exposing or cancelling someone than teaching them why they're wrong? Do I give the same grace for others that I give myself when I mess up? I think that one's important. Has the person I'm cancelling seemed to have made an honest effort towards change? And it's just that thing where I grew up in a society that socialised me to be racist, that socialised me to be homophobic, that socialised me to be transphobic. And I can completely tell you that in my past I have thought racist thoughts because I'm a white person who grew up in a society to, to teach them that. And it's been a journey of unpacking. When I first moved to the US in 2010, I noticed that I was having these, I noticed that I had unconscious biases. A a black man sat down next to me on the subway and I was, I sort of like clutched my wallet and I was like, why did you do that when this man is in a suit, like he's going to work? Like, why did you feel that he was a threat to you? And I was, had the conversation in my head and I was like, oh, it's, it's because he was black. I was like, well, this doesn't make sense at all. Where does that come from? And then I started unpacking and examining where those 
thoughts and feelings came from those unconscious biases. And I can completely see how growing up watching film and television and the news media, that I learnt those things from there. And therefore, I don't blame myself for um, those feelings. But what I do do is take full responsibility for them once I'm aware of them and work hard to bring about change in myself. And I think that's what's most important. And obviously there are some people jumping on board a bandwagon who are saying like, hashtag Black Lives Matter. When they don't necessarily even understand what unconscious bias is and understand how, you know, as a white person, we're all involved in these structures and systems of racism. Um, So I think it's really important to do the work, to unpack it. If you're going to be an ally, like, you don't, not everybody has to be Einstein, but do the work. If it's, if you can read a book, then read a book, read White Fragility, read Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Start there. If, you, if you're if you not a reader, listen to Rennie Etta Lodge's podcast about race. Um, Jane Elliott is an amazing educator who has got a show on Channel 4. Uh, she did the brown-eyed, blue-eyed experiment. And if you search Jane Elliott's name, she's probably the most dope white woman in the world. Yeah, educate yourself. And understand that like there is a very... Sometimes people's... Criticisms are valid on social media, but other times there's just a few really noisy people who are trying to get a reaction and you have to learn how to discern which one's which. And what their motives are. And yeah, you're completely right. When you look back at your own behaviour, it helps you empathise with other people whose views you don't agree with. Because you're like, well, I used to think this way and now I don't. So that means that there's hope for everyone to change their mind on certain things. And I think that's probably why yeah. you, you have such a balanced view on it because you look you are just as critical of yourself as anyone else. And that's important, isn't it? And then there's people who in 23 years of parliament voted against every single piece of pro-LGBT legislation that ever came before them. You know, that's a proven track record of someone who certainly does not support the queer community. So do with that what you will. They were consistent, if nothing else. Um, yes. Uh, on a lighter note, you've been hanging out with Mel C lately, and I know you're a, you're a massive uh, Spice yeah. Girls fan. So how how do you kind of stay cool in that situation? Or are you good at separating fan and friend type thing? Yeah, I think as queer kids, we're very good at compartmentalizing our emotions. We learn that very young how how to code switch. Uh, and so I first worked with Mel. At, at World Pride last year, I got to sing To Become One with her on stage at World Pride. Oh my God. I went to her hotel room beforehand and um, and she was getting her hair done and I was like, hi, how are you? And it all just seemed so normal. And I had to, I had to do the opposite of talk myself down off the ledge. I had to talk myself up onto the ledge. I'm like, <laughs> like, brain, that's Sporty Spice. That's Mel C. That is one of the icons and idols of your childhood like why is your heart not beating 100 miles an hour right now and I I it's that thing where like I think you genuinely do learn to disassociate quite a lot and I have to try and like imagine myself at 14 years old and what it would have meant getting to be on stage like it's unfathomable and then just uh, last week I was on uh, Jade from Little Mix's MTV show called Served and Mel C was like the guest, the special secret guest and she dropped in and she said hi to me and Jade, um, which is super cool. I mean, to be on a, 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 a Zoom call with Little Mix and Spice Girls is like, it's like getting 
double penetrated by iconic girl band wonder it makes this zoom call very shit doesn't it in comparison i apologize no not at all you know not all zoom calls were created equal (laughs) and um melcy has been saying lately i think she said it in that uh zoom talk that you're talking about that she wants the spice girls to go to tour australia next year when the um lockdown is over and so do you think there's any chance you could be supporting or even joining them on stage I mean, Jodie Harsh did DJ for them in London. In 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 London, I mean, I hadn't actually even thought about that, but that's a really good idea. I'm going to get onto that. I'm going to be if if any. Let me tell you, if there is any other Australian artist who is their support act, I will. Yes, <laughs> Peter Andre. Um, do you, Do you think they'll get posh oh, back? No, I don't think they'll get posh. You know, it's fine. It's it's not right, but it's okay. <laughs> and that is Whitney Houston. See, I've got all my references. <laughs> uh, and I keep asking you this whenever I speak to you, but um, do you know where where Australian Drag Race is at? What's happening? Are you still looking not to be involved in it? Drag Race Australia. Oh, my God. So what I know is that ITV sort of like had the rights for Drag Race Australia. Is this the same ITV as in the UK, but in Australia? ITV Australia. Well, there's an ITV in Australia. Yeah. They're global. There's one in America too. Um, So they had the rights to Drag Race in Australia, but that was like over a year ago. And they like announced it to buzz up interest, but they couldn't find a network that would pay for it because the the costs were too high for any of the networks to commit to apparently. So um, I think it's just lapsed, which is really disappointing because I want to see Drag Race... Australia made. I want to see Dallas Delaforce and Vanity Fair and Art Simone and um, Miscellaneous and all of the Aussie drag queens that I know and love. That's so weird. I always thought if something's announced, it's ready to go. I didn't think you announce things unless they have all that already sorted. (laughs) Um, But um, I asked you before, but would you be interested in hosting? Of course. That would be super cool. And uh, if you were to, which they should ask you, obviously, as every, all the fans, that's what they want. Um, if you what they w- really, really want. <laughs> what they really, really want. If you were to be the host, would it be uh, very important to you to have more like trans representation than has been on the American series? Because that's what a lot of people have been kind of asking for and the show's getting heat for that in America. Yeah, and I mean, Australia has got a long, as does the US, but Australia's got a long history of trans show girls. Uh, the Lay Girls was a dinner theatre show in Australia in King's Cross in the 60s and 70s that was a trans showgirl review uh, and like even my mum and dad went to see that show it was like a really popular show and um, so I think it would be wonderful to see Australia's drag talent, Australia's indigenous drag talent Australia's trans drag talent all on display uh, on Drag Race Australia, that would be Sickening. Sickening, no? I hope that happens. And obviously in the UK, you're very known for winning Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, and everyone's kind of talking about Big Brother in the UK at the moment because they're re-airing old episodes and there's talk of Davina mm. McCall uh, coming back with the Channel 4 show. So if they ever kind of uh, did an all-winners or an all-stars of the UK, Big Brother, would you be interested in returning? Oh my God, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, I loved Big Brother so much. But yeah, an all stars or a winners or whatever, that would be that would be very interesting. Do you think you could win again? 
I don't know, I'd have to turn up the volume somehow. Like rather than just like cute little off the rack numbers, I would need just full live show showgirl moments. <laughs> and will you be um, trying to represent Australia again for Eurovision next year? If it's back, I, I assume just... it will be. I was just chatting to Conchita Worst this morning and I didn't realise that she actually tried out for Eurovision in 2012. Oh, really? And didn't get it and then went back and got it. So I'm like, okay, I can try again. My song One Tonight that's from Fluid was my um, other song that I wrote for Eurovision, but it didn't quite make the cut at the time and it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't quite get there. But then I've done a lot of work on it and, and, I think now it's the perfect Eurovision song, but there is no Eurovision this year, so. Yeah, isn't it the case that a song that's already released can't compete, so you'd have to, like, write yeah. it and not, yeah, just specifically for the contest? But I can write more songs. Well, you'd have such a good chance of winning, because, like, unlike everyone else, you have fans in every country, because, like, everyone in the whole world watches Drag Race. So if if for no nothing else, that everyone knows you for that and loves you for that, don't they? So I feel like... Tell that to the voting public in Australia. <laughs> They're fools. Um, and I hope I haven't um, done it today, but I always like to ask people, what is the question you most hate being asked in interviews? Um, okay. It's when people like, well, it's like, the, it's not that I hate it. It's just that everybody asks the all-stars question, which is fine. I get it. I would, I love all-stars. Because I asked, I know yeah. you're not going to be on it, but what would happen if you were on it? <laughs> yeah. Because we all know the... Um, yeah, that there's there's certain queens who are kind of favoured by production or World of Wonder and there's some who aren't and people view you as one that isn't for whatever reason. I'm on the list. You're on the list. <laughs> the naughty list. But didn't RuPaul, like, unfollow you, then follow you again? So does that not mean you may be off the list? I don't know. How does this work? <laughs> I think it was called uh, blocking, not unfollowing. Uh, but then I got unblocked. I'd never got followed. Unblocked. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you said that you're currently on Neighbours right now. You're watching it just before the call started. Yeah. So which episode is this? Is it a three-episode arc? Yeah. So the first episode was on Tuesday. Today was the second episode. And tomorrow is the third episode. Oh, amazing. So this one is Paul Robinson realises that Shane, the boy that he's been dismissive and rude to, is actually Courtney the girl that they booked to perform at Lassiter's for Aaron's Propride and that she's been playing him all along because she realised what was going on. Oh, that's amazing. I thought you were kind of almost doing like a celebrity cameo. I didn't know you had like a full story as well. No, I... It's multi... It's, I'm, I'm going to win a, an award for this as best supporting... Best guest... Oh, my God. I wonder if there is a best... I won't win an award for it, but it was... No, it's a multi-episodic arc. On the Emmys, they have an Emmy for Best Guest Appearance, but I don't know if there's an Australian yeah, do. I don't know if they do in the Logies. That's the Australian version. Oh, yeah, I did know that it was called the Logies. Um, so, like, <laughs> you've had such a career where, like, you must be fans of shows and then just be on them. Is it just, like, normal f- for you now to to be on a really huge show or is it still surreal to be like, I'm on Neighbours, this is really weird? No, Neighbours is really surreal. Like, just watching it... I think one of the favourite things is, like, I was like, oh, it's 1.45, Neighbours is on. And I turned on the television and, like, flipped past some other channels. And then even the commercials, like, watching yourself on a television with commercials makes it feel 
like really like childhood because now we watch everything streaming and it's not like you watch it when you want it but the idea of the television telling you when you're allowed to watch a certain show I kind of get a kick out of um so yeah sitting down and watching myself on Neighbours was really fun because then it feels like everyone else is actually watching it at the same time doesn't it which is kind of surreal um are there any shows left that you like that you haven't been on have you pretty much finished them now feel like it's time for my own show. You did your Crook Courtney Act show in the UK, didn't you? You did a Christmas special. I did special. a Christmas special. Uh, and that was that amazing. Was there was no no ongoing season. But, um, you know, I'm here and still, you know, working it. So hopefully the future holds something wonderful. Would you do any um, British soaps? Or is it strictly Australian soaps you want to do? No, I, I mean, I actually really enjoyed acting. It was really fun. Um, I hadn't really done it in many, many years and getting to be on set and I was surprised at how it just clicked. I think as you get older, certain things make sense. And weirdly, acting was one of those things that just made sense. When I was younger, I was always trying to act. And then when I was on Neighbours, I was like, oh, I get it now. You're just pretending and like reacting to what everybody else says. Are you going to change your name to Courtney Actress? Or is that out of the question? Courtney acting. <laughs> Courtney actor. That's the one. Um, if you have time, we play a little game on the show. So it's called Humting Wong. And it's where I hum a song and you have to guess um, what the song is. But I hum it really badly. But that's just the way okay. I hum. Um, and I always cater it to the person. Okay. So it's a Kylie song. I'm going to change it now because, yes, it was a Kylie oh, song. No. <laughs> okay, I was too obvious then. But it's going to be... Um, Australian because it has to have some relevance but yeah it was going to be spinning around um, but you would have got that okay I'm going to go niche now because I feel like you've gone into this too confident oh I've got it right You weren't joking when you said you hum it badly. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really catchy song and it's just the same words over and over again. Is it new or old? Old. Early noughties, late nineties maybe? It's a pop song. Okay, yeah. let me try and hum it back. I'll hum it slight slow. Okay. <laughs> I hope this is an Australian no song. It's absolutely everybody. Absolutely everybody. Oh. Who sings that song? Vanessa Amorossi. Hang on. It's... Humming is harder than it sounds. Oh, that's good. But if you did it, everyone would get it all the time. It'd be a boring game. It's You need a bad hummer, <laughs> otherwise this game does not work. All right. She is Australian, though, isn't she? She is Australian, yeah. She actually tried out for Eurovision this year, and she didn't get it either. Oh, was she competing against you? She No, she. I did last year. She did uh, Australia Sides this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Well, you should have known everything about her then. Oh, no, it's, it's me that's the problem. It's me and my humming. 
but um... yeah it's not me it's you <laughs> it's what i told my ex-boyfriend you did well andrew brady oh andrew brady oh look isn't he in australia at the moment he's in australia and i just found brady bear the teddy that he gave me after we got out of the house oh i'm a really big teddy fanatic so i absolutely love that does it smell like him no <laughs> i don't know what he smells like i'm not falling for your tricks your parlor games <laughs> ow what just happened did you just death drop I, I hit my knee on my desk can you death drop oh no 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 i leave the death drops yeah it's too dangerous i've already got a broken leg from gay ski week in whistler so oh god that's my worst nightmare um, well, thank you so much for coming on United Queendom today, Courtney. It's always amazing to have you. Um, you're just one of the best. You are just one of the best drag queens out there. And obviously in the UK, you're basically the drag Beyonce at this point. So we feel very <laughs> lucky to have you. And yeah, can't wait for Fluid, the songs and the tour. Yeah. And to see you on Neighbours today. Com forward slash Fluid to get your tickets now. Pre-sale starts on Friday and then the tickets go on sale on Monday. I don't know when this goes out, but yeah. This is going out on Tuesday, so this... Tickets are already on sale. It's out now. Get, Get them now. tickets yesterday. <laughs> so thank you so much, Courtney. Thanks. Bye. I see you. You too. Bye. <laughs> United Queendom. <laughs>